The subject for the evening talk is fearlessness. It doesn't take much awareness to see the degree that fear has, the degree, degree of influence that fear has in the world that we live in. And it seems to be such an, a pervasive emotion entering in into almost every scope, every aspect and arena of life. And when we can give consideration to the, the larger issues of, of, of life, the, the various uh, global conflicts, to the problems in the home, to the, the various areas of insecurity, we keep seeing this touch, this, this factor, this emotional element of fear entering. And so frequently in, in our life and in the world that we see around, so much of the motivations of mind, so much of the actual doings and the involvements of mind seem to have a background of fear to them. And so we, we live in fear, we operate out, out of fear and we find ourselves experiencing it in, in countless situations. Sometimes the fear which we experience is, is a fear which in its, in its entering into our consciousness is a very distinct and noticeable f feeling. It's a certain kind of sensation which we feel sometimes in our body, often in the lower part of, our, of the trunk of our body and in our mental life as well. And so a certain situation arises, uh, there's a certain contact or a certain absence of contact and as a result of that we experience in a very clear and distinct way the touch of fear. The fear so easily when it is experienced in that way takes a greater hold through the influence of memory, through the projection and image which accompanies that fear through the, through the anticipations and expectations into the future. And so we see in certain times, in certain situations, the experience of fear entering into consciousness, gaining a grip over us and influencing and affecting our perceptions on anything and everything. And it's not unusual for us in our, in our life situation that that there's a touch of that fear, it initially starts connected with one particular issue which one is afraid of, in some of afraid about, in some way or other, and it has that characteristic of spilling over. It spills over from that particular object and goes all elsewhere. Like when sometimes we, we, we knock over something, we drop something, when there's a liquid there, it may just touch one particular place on the table or on the floor, but it spills over. And fear often has that kind of characteristic to it.
But it's not always such that with this touch of, of fear that we experience, that it's a distinctive, noticeable feeling occurring within ourselves. And that there are a number of buffers, walls, which our mind builds up and establishes so that the fear itself, as a feeling factor, is pushed back. And in, and in spite of it actually being pushed back, it doesn't mean to say that it's not influencing. So that one may not actually feel fear, but it's having its influence in our motivations and in our actions and driving us in one way or the other and we forget the cause lies in the fear. One of the very common expressions of this and one which always has to be looked at and, and addressed with a great deal of care is one's relationship to money. <laughs> How, the, where there's a background of insecurity for all the, the reasons that produce that, that in, insecurity, it can take such a hold upon oneself that the feeling original causes and feelings are gone and one endeavours to financially through thick and thin to make oneself feel secure so that in some way or other inwardly speaking one will feel at rest. And it's one of those phenomena and certainly noticeable in the fin financial area, in the money area, that no, there never seems to be a place in one's relationship to money where one has enough. One only has to go and to uh, the stock exchange in London or to Wall Street and, and see people compulsively infatuated with, with money when they're 80 years old. Can't stop. And so, again, in our looking at our relationship to these areas of, of life, we're looking at the effects that it brings in our life and the kind of background that it's coming from. And sometimes when, quite naturally, through just through relaxation, nothing more than just relaxation and being with oneself, some of those walls and buffers against the fear which we have used to protect ourselves from that feeling begin to, to drop, begin to fade away. And, notice, and one notices the touch of fear. And so we see it, it's, it, it's the characteristic of it, it's, it's influence from the past, it's, it's influence in the present, and of course particularly when it's concerned with insecurity, specifically how it's also with regard to the future. And how can there ever be any peace with oneself and peace with life when there's that constant touch of that, whether felt or not? In our 
consideration of fear too. Fear comes, seems to come and often comes under the most pressure when there is a tendency in one's life towards control. And, it's, and, it, and in looking at fear, and if one has been experiencing fear in different ways, as some of you have been speaking of in these days together, it's that giving consideration to how much control is taking place in one's primary activities. And what we often forget, that the element of control, control over, has within its feature a certain pressure, and the pressure goes upon our emotional life. And we try to control situations. And when there's a lot of control in one's life, and all the ways that we do that to safeguard ourselves, to impress other people, to get what we want or whatever, whenever there is a lot of control, there is, one might say without exception, a fear, felt or otherwise, that things will go out of control. And so one finds oneself in this difficult quandary in, in, in life of trying to maintain control, clinging and identifying with, with that to protect oneself or to hold on to some, something in some way or other. And the more that one tries, the more that penetrating and painful voice of things would go out of control begins to arise. And so often it can be so very difficult to find the middle ground between control and loss of it, or the fear of loss of it. In this pressure which we experience in our um, situations, sometimes the outlet which we experience occurs in our dream life, or it occurs in periods in our everyday life of, of relaxation. And so it's not unusual within the context of a retreat where one is engaging in activities with a certain amount of control taking place through the form of the meditation of sitting and walking that sometimes when one comes to the night hours to sleep sometimes it's either diff very difficult to sleep or in the sleep itself there's a lot of action, a lot of activity dream activity, imagery activity taking place and one sees that sometimes within that activity, which sometimes can be rather frightening in itself, that it can be the form of it in dreams and in nightmares, something of an exaggerated feeling about, sorry, an exaggerated image about what one is feeling. One is feeling negative towards about something or someone in life, in the dream it comes up as violence. One is feeling fearful about a certain situation, in dream it, it, it comes up as being violated. So in, in our 
Sometimes in our waking up we just see very simply the content of the dream life, if it's occurring there, and particularly what it states clearly and precisely. And it doesn't really require a great deal of uh, analysis or reflection, but it's just to see what it's saying simply. And particularly, what kind of feeling or emotion is particularly predominant in that period of time. One of the fears we have in our life, and, and again we, we see that fear somewhere or other is the sense of separation. Where we have separation in some form or other, in that there's the potential for fear. And of course one of the most noticeable forms of fear is separation from each other in life. And, and that all from, all with regard to particular situations. And so sometimes the fear arises, I don't want to go too much into the psychology, but the, the fear arises with regard to the image about something. Image of the dark, image of a tunnel, image of heights, or whatever it might be. And the fear has moved in a particular way and has grasped onto that image. And such that it is with us when we, when we have those particular fears, we know just how difficult it is to shake free of that. And no matter, um, no matter how many boosts of confidence that we get and, and encouragements from, from other people, coming out of the fear which is grasped onto the particular is an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. But one of the most noticeable ones, and where this working with fear and, and its process and its mechanisms of is of course the fear with regard to each other. And particularly one of the ones which is most noticeable is the fear with regard to what other people think. And so then of course we identify with many aspects, many aspects of ourselves and we've, and so I speak the other night, become very much concerned about what others may think about us. Let me give you an example of this. We all have to see how, in which ways that connects with ourselves. Once a year, in England, a um, number of uh, friends, meditators, and myself, we go backpacking. We don't walk as slowly as we, um, <laughs> <laughs> as we do here. And this year we were walking on the North Cornwall uh, coast from, from St. Ives and down towards uh, Land's End in the far southwest of England. And the weather was, um, by English standards, quite lovely. It was in the uh, uh, 70s. It's not a, a scorcher like uh, today. It was 
told that it's, it reached uh, about 105, so it's been rather hot. And while we were, while we were walking there, a friend of mine, uh, who, long-standing friend for 10 years, she said to me that she has never been able, and something which I um, um, didn't um, know, she said to me that she has never been able to wear shorts. And it was the first time she's had a, a, a problem, a difficulty with this. It's the first time she's been able to wear shorts. And she said it's because she's so conscious, so self-conscious with regard to her legs. And then out of this, com we, we discussed and, uh, and, and spoke about it. And then we spoke with some of the other uh, women who were also walking. And then where we live, um, a small South Devon town with a whole network of friends, we some more discussion. And it became apparent that all of the women all had the same sense of self-consciousness for all variety of different reasons, but it was there. And one sees once again that th there's a situation there's a fear about, in some way or other, about what other people may think about one's particular physical appearance. And that fear acts, as it so frequently does, as a restricting factor. It inhibits one's own being, one's own expression. It actively stops what one would like to do, something as ordinary as in it and as everyday as wearing shorts or whatever. And we, and we see in our life this, this uh, the difficulties that we have as women and that we, that we have as, as men in being very self-conscious about something. And sometimes with men, as I was speaking with one person on a re re retreat uh, re re recently, he became so self-conscious about the fact that he was losing hair, which is perfectly normal and thing to take place. And so every time, he said, he looked in the mirror and saw hair, losing hair. Every time he combed his hair and he looked and saw the comb in the hair, he felt pain inside. And, and it just was producing inside of him this phenomena of, of an increasing degree of unhappiness. And he couldn't explain it. So again, in these, in these situations which we find, our, find ourselves, where is the empowerment going to be able to come in our life in order to tr transform a situation w in which we can be ourselves? One of the things which contributes to this enormously, and one, I can't um, overemphasize this, is the willingness and the growing capacity to share. It seems to me that sometimes in our looking at fear and, and the kind of forms that it, that it takes place, 
And it's those ordinary, simple, everyday fears which, which arise, often, as I mentioned, in relationship to other people. Is that it's like that fear is something which is closed down inside of us, something which is difficult to acknowledge, which we'd rather not be touched by in any way. And so, beginning to recognize this in the spirit of openness, we are more and more able to express our fears, express our difficulties, be able to bring them into consciousness and feel that it's okay to do so. And making that kind of step towards that bringing into consciousness is the major, major step towards dealing with fears. In other words, for them to come from the darkness within into the light of day. And of course, a great and very obvious inspiration for this, of course, has been in, uh, in recent years, the, the women's movement, which has shown us as, as men and as well as skillfully contributing to the awareness of many women, how easily, where there's fear through oppression, through feeling suffocated, through being withdrawn, through the difficulties of coping with an aggressive world, all the manifestations that fear can take, the, s the sense of solidarity and community which has developed has helped to find an alternative to fear in the form of empowerment, in the form of actual change. And what I have noticed, and, and of course it's no noticed amongst the kind of people, the kind of men that I uh, have connection with, that something of that kind of spirit is being communicated and realized and appreciated by us as men, who also, who also in countless ways experience get caught up in the control factor, inwardly and outwardly, which, presents, which prevents us seeing the world clearly and prevents us from getting deeply in touch with ourselves. And so one finds, and I think that um, many of, here, of you here would, would acknowledge that just within the scope of some of our small group meetings and in the short times that we've been having in those small meetings, there is considerable, a considerable degree of openness and sharing by men and by women. And this, this I feel, very much in this area is, among many factors, is due to the support that many women are giving men to allow men to feel what they are feeling rather than what has so often happened, even with the best of motives that we men may have, of wanting to appear always to be the strong, stable figure. And particularly in the household situation, and particularly in the household with a family, there has been the wish, often good motivation, to be that figure. And so we've exercised a certain kind of control to maintain that image, but underneath all of that, there are worries, there are our fears, there are our anxieties, and no outlet for them. So sometimes we end up 
communicating a rather cold person to the world. But still, obviously, there's a, a long way to go in coming and finding ways and means to work with what we're experiencing in a full and open way, and one is through communication. Sometimes, of course, it's very necessary and, uh, and very valuable. And I was speaking to Anna about this today, very with regard to women meeting together. And of course, if that is need, I mentioned it, that that is needed here in for a clear and obvious reason with regard to the, the meditative process and what is happening for a person, for a woman, then to leave a note for Anna to and have arrange a time and have a meeting together. And one of the things in the in these areas that in many ways, in spite of our working to look at situations to find a, sh a sense of real equality in our communications and in our relationships and to break down the role barriers which have so much fear inside of them, still there's a long way to go. And I'm sure that became quite apparent to you as it did to me upon arrive, arriving uh, here and, and leading the retreat, that one immediately picks up on Jamie and Christopher, two male teachers, six cooks, all women. And there's, there's an actual, in terms of gender, difference. Now, if the mind is very narrow, it will say, oh, it's just, once again, stereotyping of role. But certainly, hopefully, uh, in Dharma uh, uh, practice here, which is, has been, um, hopefully, such that it's moved out of the East and, uh, and all the... Uh, um, divisiveness which is can be apparent that is nothing to do with the stereotyping of role but sometimes it's just to do with who we are and certain kind of fears which can be at work and s one of the ways that that sometimes gets expressed is with men uh, is lack of confidence and so when something like service is required service in the kitchen you know to to cook uh, for a retreat, it's not that, oh, that's a women's job. I don't think men, hopefully, I don't think so, think in that way at all. It's so blatantly gross. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so often, it's fear. I can't do it, or I haven't got the confidence, or I don't know how. And so, once again, it is left to others who have the skills. So, somehow or other, it's these kind of situations which arise require cooperation. Require men saying, I don't know how, please show me. And it requires people saying, yes, I know how, I will show you so that the fears and the lack of confidence which inhibit action can be replaced. 
Having said that, I hope there'll be six male cooks next year. <laughs> <laughs> and two women teachers. <laughs> so in coming away from the, the stereotype roles and the fears which uh, accompany them, it's towards in our life seeing what still inhibits our action and our communication. And therefore, where's the touch of fear? Because of the, the way that it works, and sometimes very strong, and we have to give our total attention to it, and, and actively ride with, it, with these fears which, which come, sometimes our mind moves, and it moves in such a way that instead of discovering fearlessness, what we do is we try to prove something to ourselves. So we there's, there's a touch of fear about something, and then the ego arises and says, I will do something. And, and that is a, is a way of, as it were, presenting the opposite to show something. And I wonder whether that actually deals with the feeling, the sensation of, of fear. And it's not unusual for us at times, and there still can be a value in it, in bringing in our ego to show ourselves, to prove something to ourselves that we can do something. And sometimes out of that certainly a certain confidence can arise. But often it's the confidence which has come through just addressing a particular fear in a particular moment. And perhaps, looking still positively, perhaps in addressing a fear and working directly with it, we help to gain more confidence and therefore reduce fear. But perhaps our whole relationship to life has to be one which emphasizes fearlessness. I see, for example, that one of the new um, fashions which is being um, transmitted to the Western paradise is, um, is fire walking, or hot coal walking. And so a number of, of, um, of uh, people who think the weather's not hot enough already uh, <laughs> come to find themselves or um, feel challenged in some way or other to walk on these coals. Now this has been going on as probably you um, know for donkey's years in, uh, in India and one can go and they put out the hot coals at one of these um, uh, religious festivals and then along comes the local holy man and uh, people stand around in awe and um, sweating rather profusely because of the heat and then he, he, he walks along there, and then afterwards the hat goes round. <laughs> not always. <laughs> I mustn't malign these people too much. <laughs> and so a situation arises where this becomes the, 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 thing, the thing to do. And, and again, out of it, the, 
there can come a, a certain convincing of oneself that one can do something. And hurrah, hurrah, one achieves... <laughs> one achieves, achieves this. And one goes away and feels very proud of, one, proud of oneself and the next minute the fears are arising in all the other departments of one's life. Because the totality isn't being addressed. And just by addressing a particular, in a particular period of time, doesn't deal with the whole. So we begin, as I've mentioned so many times, that the key to all of these areas of our life is, is an awareness, and, and an awareness which becomes more deeply, inwardly attuned, and then just catching the times when the fear arises. Fear in the, with regard relationship to a body sensation. Fear with, re, with regard to how we appear physically. Fear with regard to, oh God, if I don't get to bed early, I'm going to be absolutely deadbeat tomorrow, or whatever it might be. Fear that there won't be enough food if one is at the end of the line, etc. <laughs> so in countless ways, during the course of the day, the bringing in the area of fearlessness is touching, is catching that place of fear, being willing to be exposed to it, therefore the control on being minimized, seeing that and learning to act clearly and directly, and the key word is in spite of. In spite of. In other words, it may not be possible for you and I just to be aware of what we're feeling at the level of our uh, at the level of our fear but certainly we can acknowledge it I'm experiencing this I'm ex it's touching me and in coming to acknowledging it and seeing it directly to be able to without great shows of bravado and ego act directly so that the feeling factor itself while being present in itself is not an inhibiting factor. In itself, it's not. And so when we catch our mind saying, I can't do because, and the kind of expressions that that takes, bringing our wholehearted attention to that. And sometimes when we try to convince ourselves otherwise, we just create more thought, obviously, and creates dilemma and confusion. We see the holding taking place. We experience the fear which accompanies it. And in spite of where we see it's truly appropriate, we act. And that capacity to act, to transcend the fear, even with its presence, in addressing all the aspects of fear gives the empowerment to the mind. I rather liked what Krishnamurti's response was. He was giving a, a, a talk in, a, in an auditorium and somebody from and 
one of the great themes, those of you who have listened to Kay, one of his great themes in life is uh, freedom from fear, transcending fear. So somebody in the upper auditorium, after he had given his uh, talk, said, Sir, um, surely fear is essential in life. Surely human beings need fear. You can't live without fear. He said, for example, sir, it's fear which stops me from jumping over this balcony onto the people below. (laughs) (laughs) And Krishnamurti said to him, sir, that's not fear, that's intelligence. And so in, the, in the, uh, working and in getting in, in touch and, and seeing the influence of that and, and exploring what that means in our life, it is towards that kind of seeing and transcendence where, the, where fear doesn't have its grip. And there are many times and many situations in our, in our life where one sees the, the, the grip of the fear. And we find that un- under its grip, sometimes when it's particularly strong in our, in our life, it has upon us a kind of paralyzing effect. And so our working with and learning to, to cut through, and sometimes it's just small things, just beginning in a simple and clear way, of making each act count, walking firmly and directly, sitting firmly and directly, being right now, watching where there's future thinking and particularly its repe- the repetition of future thinking. Is there fear functioning beneath those thoughts? If there is letting it go, expressing a f- clear trust in the present by being with it. And so through that kind of contact, we, we approach it in a much more full way. And so we see the areas with this fear, particularly, where are the areas, this is self-knowledge, where are the areas with regard to fear where we are vulnerable? being that self-knowledge, being clear for each one of us where, what they are, where, where they show themselves. None of that conditioning will change until you and I actually communicate with it, actually become clear about what's happening. Make that a work. Make that a task at hand. And by bringing our energy to, to that, we can take that inhibiting power out and substitute it with a genuinely ennobling, enhancing one.
with this too, as I'm, with so many things, as we look into our life, and as particularly as social human beings, as much as individual and personal people, we see the importance of these things both for ourselves and for this world which is around us. And it seems to be so necessary, particularly at this time that we are living, to find ways and means which are genuinely alternative to what we're familiar with. It's not enough to be fearful of the global situation. The fear will inhibit change. It will only maintain the way that it is. Thus, to find ways to, or cha- to change situations is firstly one must cut through some of the fear. And we see this taking place more and more in some of the peace movements where there is more a willingness to extend oneself even though it means having to live with more fear. And the green movement and the, and the peace movement are beginning to see we have to take it a little bit further. Be, wa- be wary of those restraining factors. And I rather like the story, finally, of, a, of one of the monks, one of the Japanese uh, uh, Buddhist monks, and they were standing outside one of the nuclear uh, uh, bases and registering a protest one day here in uh, the States, in uh, Ohio. And while the there were a number of cars were driving to go to work. And people were lined outside the gates, registering their protest. And one of the cars was driving dangerously towards the people standing at the, uh, at the, uh, on the edge of the, of the road. And everybody got out, got out of this way as this car uh, uh, drove through with some official sitting in the back and the driver was obviously arrogant. And as he drove through, the Japanese monk was standing there, f- very firm, very steady, and he had uh, a drum in front of him. He'd been just playing, those of you who have ever been on peace marches with, may have heard, playing the drum, just creating the sound with the drum. And this car was going dangerously towards him. Others, as others stepped back off the, r- the road, he just stood there. And as this car went by, he raised a stick and went, Bang! (laughs) Straight on top of the car and carried on playing his drum. (laughs) This seems to me to have the quality of fearlessness to it. (laughs) It's that capacity in one's life to to stand for what one believes in, what one senses with one's heart and one's being is true, and to be committed to that even though it means touching often that place of fear. Learning our learning personally and socially and in our life's actions to live with it and not be ruled by it. And in our learning to live with it, perhaps there's the key to transcendence and fearlessness.
may all beings be in touch with life. May all beings see through the fears. May all beings live with love. Let's have three or four minute quiet period together.